0: Bible. Turn, if you would, to Psalms 121. You have a um, Schofield King James Bible. That's page 662. 62. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Somebody turned me on. Sure of a world. All right. At page 662. I'm getting an echo here, Matthew. And uh, maybe just a little bit too much juice there. All right. Amen. I have cut it down. If you promise not to go to sleep, all right. Psalms chapter one twenty one. You found your place. Amen. 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 I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thine right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even and even forevermore. I had a thought it would be this. Lift up your eyes, helps on the way. Let's go to the throne of grace. Jimmy Drum, how about you praying? Amen. If you've not already found out, you will find this to be so true. The life is rarely straight, smooth sailing. Instead, what you're going to find out is that it tends to be rather bumpy along the way at times. There is this tendency that we have to bounce from faith to doubt, fear to courage, happy to sad, healthy or sick, sometimes generous or even selfish. And uh, we, we tend to flow up and down all these different areas of life. So how do we, how do we get a sense of stability in our life? How, how do we get... How do we get to the point to where the circumstances, the obstacles, those things that uh, constantly seem to bring us in a turmoil? How do we how do we overcome those things? I do believe tonight that there is something about being a Christian. Praise God! I do hope you're saved tonight. If you're not saved, you're in the best place you can be. And we would love to introduce Jesus Christ to you tonight as the greatest Savior you could ever have, the greatest decision that you could ever make. But what I find is I find so often that we're that we're just up and down and up and down and, and circumstances and obstacles seem to, to, to knock us off the track so very easily, so readily. Psalms 121, however, is a psalm that addresses that very fact. But we've got to ask the question, are you a Christian atheist? You say, well, well what is a Christian Atheist. A Christian atheist is one that says, "With my voice, my lips, my words, I believe God can do all things." Amen. But in practice, we look to everything else for the solution. I believe. How many of you believe God is the great physician? Amen but we tend to look and give more to a a man with an M.D. behind his name than we do the God of glory. How many of you believe that God knows all my yesterdays, my todays, and all my tomorrows? How many believe that? There's no uncertainty in his life, and yet our lives are filled with uncertainty. The thing that brings us worry, is uncertainties that's coming, and and if we're not careful, we can get the 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 mentality of Fox News that makes m- millions of dollars spreading fear and spreading worry and spreading problems. Talking heads make billions and millions of dollars feeding on something. That becomes very humanistic in our, in our makeup. We are human, you know. And so there's this tendency for us to be drawn to that because we like talking about it to everyone else, yet we don't talk to Him because we say we believe, but we don't do what we say. The greatest, the greatest challenge... Church, that in our day, that we're going to have with the core systems is this. Is the core systems are going to say, write down what you believe, but then we're going to hold you accountable to what you say you believe. I read this article. It's a true story. Our church moved into a, 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 a liquor joint, a bar, a, a honky-tonk, Opened up beside the church. Pastor goes over there. And he says, says, Sir, now we're going to pray that God removes that. A week later it burnt down. The bar owner took the church to court. Said, they burnt my building down. So the church got up there defending it. We didn't do it, you know. We didn't do it. And here's what the judge said. The judge said, I ought to give him the case because he believes more in your God than you do. The truth of the matter is, they do sometimes. Now, don't, I'm not booing you out tonight because we all, at times, are Christian atheists. Well, I believe God can do all things. But, oh my God, what am I going to do? No, we're all to pieces. Sonness, however... As a matter of fact, this psalm is called a traveler's psalm. What I mean by traveler's psalm is this. When they would would go into Jerusalem, the city sets up on a hill. And as they would ascend, as they would ascend up, if, if the Jerusalem's here and they would ascend up, they would chant or sing this psalm. When they would go up to the to the temple to worship, they would sing and chant this song. And here was here was the ideal behind, here's the purpose behind it. That by the time you got into the city, by the time you got to 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 the temple to worship, by the time you got there, you was excited and you believed the Lord is my helper. He's he's the one that's going to help me. You would be excited because you had spoken yourself, and so it was called a traveling psalm. It was called an ascending psalm. When when they would ascend up into the place of worship, they would sing and they would quote these ascending psalms. And uh, and he asked the question. Matter of fact, this was the favorite psalm of the great missionary David Livingstone. When he was in Africa in 1840, this psalm, he in his diary wrote, this psalm got me through many, many days and, and helped me to continue to serve God to the end. First Peter says this, We are kept by the power of God through faith to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last times. So, now, so the first thing we need to understand is that there's times... That we're all Christian atheists. Let me answer that question for all of you. Yes, we are all Christian atheists at times. We shouldn't be, but we are. Second thing, and this is the great truth I want you to get a hold of. Somewhere in life, you're going to need help. How many understand that? Be, perhaps there's nothing greater hindering the cause of Christ than pride. And pride says, I'll need your help. I'll do it myself. Well, you better get a hold of something. Somewhere, someplace, sometime in life, you're going to need some help. Now, you can be stubbornly proud... And honey and cocky pride and said, nobody ain't helping me. But you will understand God can put you in a place to where you need help. Dear preacher friend of mine, Tom Gillum, he's, he was standing with his elderly woman and man. And, and, they, and she was the epitome of a lady. I mean, in every way, she conducted herself as a lady. She was the epitome of a lady in every, every way. She was taking a shower. She failed, and she broke her hip. Her husband was not able to, to get to her. So she calls Tom, and here he is. He's standing at the door, and, and uh, he don't want to go in because she's, been a, she's just been this lady. She says, Tom, get in here. You're going to have to get over yourself and help me. And he's in, and afterwards, she told him, she said, Tom, if you live long enough, you're going to have to understand there's going to be times you need help. And it is the epitome of pride to say, I don't need help. Let me, let me just throw something out here. This is a help you. And I'm getting ahead of my message, so I might repeat this because if you don't look like you're listening, I'll repeat it again later. I think sometimes the greatest reason we miss help is this. Um, I am convinced God does everything in perfect time. I'm amazed at that. We talked about this ceiling and this roof for, for a couple of years on, on fixing it, did we not? We had men here, we looked at it, and we could just never get a, get it uh, uh, the timing right. But when the time was right, it just it just done well. Here's what happens to us. Now, won't you stay with me? I want to help you. This will be priceless to some of you. Someone, God sent somebody in our life, and they say, and we try something, and at the time, it doesn't work. So we walk on down, and somebody God sends another person in and says, Oh, I, I, I done tried that. I, I done tried that. You, you just may have missed the time. Might not be nothing wrong with what they said, It might not be nothing wrong with the way you tried it, but the time for it to work, and God sending it in, and sometimes we miss God because we done decided, that ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. And we totally miss what God's doing because we're not sensitive enough to say, you know, we done decided, I know it all. I know, I, I, I know that. You don't know what God knows. And there might be something that might... And we dismiss that because we done decided we know it. And so we miss what God's doing. And so as we... Now, I'm just laying the foundation of the message. I'm going to show you here in just a minute. I'm going to show you in just a minute of how David used this psalm. Uh... I-, I talked to you about how this is a sinned psalm, and it's a, it's made to to get us ready. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills with, from which cometh my help. The word which I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. He's literally asking the question. Where's my help? Where's my help? Where's my help coming from? And then I love this, he answers his own question. My help cometh from the Lord. Which made heaven and earth. And so he, that's, that's that's the foundation of where he's going now. Here's the next question. Why? How do you like my artwork? Amen. Why should you know, I'm going to I, I have to ask our young people to forgive me. I need to stop and I I not get right with God. I started to put one of your names on that little white man. <laughs> I was tempted to write your name out there. Why should I look up to God for help? Now you say, but preacher, come on now. I know the answer to that. Do we really? Can be his favorite word. Really? Really? Do we do we really know that? Reason I'm asking that, can can, I, can, can can we just be can we just be honest with our own hearts tonight? And this just be us? This is just like a family meeting. Can we just be us? Truth of the matter is, we don't act that way, do we? We don't really, we don't really conduct our lives like we we know. So why should I look up? So Jeremiah said, 3.23, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. So uh, what he's saying is, he says, um, where am I going to find... I'll lift up my eyes into the hills. What he's saying is, the hills is not what's helping me. From whence cometh my help. In other words, what he's saying, I've looked to the hills and they didn't... In, in that time, and this is another message, but in that day that were bad to make carvings and totem poles and all this kind of stuff. And, and idols and put them on top of a hill. They, would go, they were called groves and high places. You read in Old Testament? They took down the groves and the high places. And so they would build all of these things. And he said, I looked up there. That's not, that's not going to help me. So from whence comes my help? So he says, oh, I know. And he said... The Lord is my my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. First thing, why you ought to not be a Christian atheist and why we need to lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes. Help is on the way. Number one, God is our provider. God is my provider from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth <laughs> preacher you just you just don't understand my situation you don't understand how bad I have it you don't understand preacher where i You're not in my body You don't know how I am No you're right I don't But here's what I want you to see If he made The heaven and the earth Do you reckon he knows I said Do you reckon he knows Now some of you answer that Just exactly the way you live Well 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 that's the way we just answered that. We answered that the way we live. Well, I'm, I don't know. Why I do or not? Because the truth is, when it comes to taking the truth of the Word of God and say, let's insert it in our day in and day out living, it gets a little tougher, doesn't it? That's where faith comes in. That's where we've got to believe God. And so God is my provider. Now, he, he mentions two major problems. He will not suffer my foot to be moved, and he that keepeth thee will not slumber. David said I, there's two major problems in our day-to-day living that all of us are going to struggle with. Number one, slipping. Slipping. Number two, sleeping. Sleeping. The ideal is this. He's saying, "God is my provider because if I live life, I'm just going to slip up." Are you listening? I was leaving Tammy's the other day, and well, there's a little bit of loose gravel, and you would have thought I was doing a dance. And it took all I could do to keep from falling. I was a-slipping all over the place. I was thinking about this message. And I said, man, if I had this on film, I'd show it. You realize something? don't you listen to me. Get get, get your halo off your head and listen to this preacher. If you live day in and day out and do the best you can, as long as you're robed in this stinking flesh, you're going to slip up. Your foot's going to slip somewhere. How many of you, you, you love God, you serve God, you, you give, you, you, you're faithfully, you tithe, you're faithful to the church, but sometimes you, you hear something and all of a sudden you're out of the will of God. You're so far, you say, my goodness, when I get out of the will of God? Just go ahead and put, that's a two-hander. We've all been there. Have we not? Somewhere in life, you're going to slip. And somewhere in life, you're going to get tired. As long as we're robed in these fleshly bodies, as long as we're robed here, we're going to get, we're going to slip along the way. That, that's the reason why, that's the reason why that, that not one of us, not a one, not one of us, not a one of us, that's the reason why you shouldn't have too much of a judgmental attitude. Because if you've got a judgmental attitude and everybody's got to be perfect around you, you're going to mess up because the truth is you don't live perfect, I don't live perfect. The son that said he remembers we're dust and we're going to mess up. Now I don't think what, well, I'm not talking about willful sin and excusing it. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about deliberately sinning just because you enjoy sin, no, no. I'm talking about you're doing your best to love God. The psalmist here, he's heading up to the house of God. He said, "Man, where's my help?" He said, "The Lord's my help because He's my provider." He said, "That's who I'm looking to for to provide me the help." Then he said, "Here's why." He said, "Man, I slip sometimes. One evening on a terrace, he's been in battle. He's won every war." He gets up off his bed. He walks out to the terrace. Bathsheba's out there bathing on top of her house. It's where they bathed. He's watching her. Lust fills his heart. He calls for her. He commits adultery with her. He premeditates, murders her husband. That's a pretty big slip. And in Psalms 51, he says, Creating me. A clean heart, oh God. God of sin, wash me thoroughly, God. Wash me thoroughly with hyssop. Say, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit. You know what David understood? David understood we're all going to slip somewhere. Now, I'm not talking about willfully sinning. I'm talking about you just, you're doing right. I'm talking about you're doing right. Those of you that work and labor in this church, and I appreciate that. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not careful, you can get weary in well-doing. You can get weary in well-doing. And he got sleepy. And I I love this. In verse number one, he's searching for help. And verse number two, the source of our help, our greatest failure, and we all do it. I've done it. You do it. I've heard most of us here say something like this. When something I don't know what I'm gonna do. Our focus, our greatest failures is we focus on the circumstance and not on the Christ that is able to take care of that. I love this Matthew 14, 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come thee on the water. He said, Come. And when Peter come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Man, this works. And to go to Jesus. But when he saw, the focus changed. He saw the wind bolsterous. He was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, said, Lord, save me. Now, here's what blows my mind. And immediately... The Lord stretched forth his hand to catch him. Now, I I figured Jesus might have been... No, I I figure I'd probably the size of Jesus. Everybody else is taller, probably missed it. And uh, his arm span wouldn't have been but just so long, even if he had real long arms. Here's, Here's what I noticed. Peter got pretty close. He was pretty close. He wasn't a distance from Jesus. He was close enough for Jesus to grab it. He was pretty close. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes we get close to God, and that's when the circumstances seems bigger, and it gets the wind gets the we see the circumstance as being bigger because. And the closer you get, isn't it amazing? He was close, I, I, and I, I thought, man, I thought we could just get close. We wouldn't fall to. No, he's close enough for Jesus to grab him. But yet, he's a sink like a rock because he saw the wind. So he's the source of his help. I love this. I love this. A little boy's playing in a sandbox and had cars and trucks and plastic pail and shiny red plastic shovel. And he's creating roads and tunnels in the sand and he discovers a big rock in the middle of the sandbox. Little boy, he dug around that rock. He managed to dislodge it and move around. He finally he pushed, and he shoved with his arms and his legs. He got it to the edge. And he worked, and he worked, but he could never get it up over the edge. Finally, he burst in tears and frustration, just like we do. And the moment the tears fell, a large shadow fell across the boy in the sandbox. It's the boy's father. Gently but firmly, he said, Son, why didn't you use all the strength you had available? Daddy, I did! I did! I did! And the father said, No, you didn't. Because you didn't ask me. And with that, the father reached down and picked the rock out of the sandbox. Verse 3, he's our stabilizing help. He stabilizes us when we're shifting and moving. Not only that, he's, a, he's our help with a, with a slumberless savior. He said, I'll not suffer thy foot to be moved that he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Here's what he's just saying. Now, you, you all do understand this. And somebody help me. Sleep is where we're to rest our bodies. Is that correct? Renew our strength and rest our bodies. Is that right? Is that right? You're the nurse? Is that right? Is that right? Renew our strength and you. Here, here's, what he, here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, You're sleeping, but you ain't resting. You're sleeping, but you're not getting rest out of it. And here's why we're not resting. Because of the uncertainty. This is a terrible illustration, but it does work. Jurassic Park is a dinosaur movie. And T Rex is he's eating the people and crushing the, the Jeep. And these two little kids are in the stars, you know, getting through Jurassic Park. And they climb up in a tree and and and, and you in the distance, you hear the dinosaur grind, you know. And they say, Will the dinosaur gonna come against He said, No. And they said, what well, if it comes while we're asleep? And the man says, I'll stay awake all night. And they go to sleep. And here's what God's saying. There's a whole lot of junk in this world. But he said, you can go to sleep because I'm not. If that ever, if ever gets, gets a hold of you, I mean really gets a hold of you, he's our provider, then you'll go to sleep because he's not. He's not. See, uncertainty and fear. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Jehoshaphat. In Je- 2 Chronicles 20 and 3. And, and Jehoshaphat feared set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And I love this. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Jer- Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. Verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this company, That cometh against us, and I love this. What a great place for you to get sometimes. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. First of all, we ought to lift up our eyes because help's on its way because God is my provider. Number two, God is my protector. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade. I missed it. Now, I should have. I missed that slide. She I don't want you to miss my artwork. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. And the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. And you say, what in God's name does that have to do With me being protected. In the Middle East, there was and and everybody that read and that lived there would have understood this. In the day it was extremely hot. But at night it was just the opposite. It was extremely cold. Here's what he's saying. He said, I'll be your protection in the extremes of life. He's talking about the extreme heat of the day and the extreme cold of the night. And now most of life is lived in just the getting up, taking a bath, or hope you do, or the people who work with you hope you do. It is, It is going to work, coming home, fixing supper, washing dishes, washing clothes, doing the... That, that's the, the humdrum routines of life. But know this, there will be in every life some moments of extremes. By Sunday morning, 16-year-old boy walking down the seer of the road, snatched away. That family was slung into an extreme. I don't care what the circumstances about the boy or nothing else. That boy, some, he had a mama, he had a daddy, he had grandparents, and their life was given an extreme. You go to the doctor, and the doctor says you've got terminal cancer, and you're not stupid. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. You just didn't buy don't load the pumpkins. You know, odds are, it's gonna take you to the house if you're smart, you set the things in order because the extremes of life will come. And they come to all of us. Moments notice, you could go in tomorrow and you worked overtime this week. You, the, the work's been crazy, but you could go in tomorrow and they walk up and say, Listen, we're sorry, we're shutting the factory. Um, we're, we're out of business. And, and the, the extremes come in every life. Don't be so naive as to think that this doesn't happen. It happens more than you and I wish did. You work, you go home, the house is empty, there's a note on the table saying, I'm gone, I'm done. Immediately, you're thrown into an extreme. That's not counting those extremes that just come you're just not ready for. Some of you have went through some extremes. You know what I'm talking about. God is saying, in those times of extreme, I'll be your protection. Uh, I I want you, if you've got your Bible, turn if you would to to Romans chapter 8. Right, right quickly now. Quickly, quickly. Romans chapter 8, page 1201 if you've got a Schofield King James Bible. Okay? I want to show you something. Lord, let me see. And, um, I, I believe it'll help you. Amen? Romans chapter 8, we'll start reading verse 22. If you got your place, say amen. Now, for we know, I want you to underline, we know that the whole world groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. The hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But, we have, but if we hope for that, we see not, then do we, with patience, wait for it. Now, notice, for we know. Now, verse 28. And we know. And I want you to mark. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Okay? We know in verse 22. We know in verse 28. But don't you know notice verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not. Right in the middle... Of two, we know. Right in the center of it, God said, and we know not. And those are two extremes. I know something, I don't know something. Two extremes. What God is saying to you and I, why we ought to lift up our eyes and look to him is because he's my protector. He is the one, that can, he's the one that can handle those extremes. I don't know that we will ever be able to handle those extremes. But when those extremes come, where you're looking, who you're looking to, whose you are, will make the difference where you survive it or where you collapse under it. If you lift your eyes... To the hills, when it's coming, my help, my help is in the Lord when the extremes come. And I'm not going to tell you you're not going to weep. I didn't say you wouldn't cry. I didn't say you wouldn't break your heart into a thousand pieces, but you'll be all right. You'll make it. You'll make it. You'll say, I don't know how I'm going to make it," but you'll make it. Because the Lord is our help. In those times of extreme. Can I say this? Now, when we, th- when we think about times of extremes, we're talking about times of extreme bad, a death, or, or, or cancer, or sickness, or, or, or something totally. But can I say this? You need more protection on the other end. In times of prosperity, when God is blessing you, it's the most dangerous time of your entire life. You'll fall quicker there than you will there. There's a tendency, we fall more in prosperity than we will ever fall in poverty. And prosperity can be the most destructive thing in our life. We don't need God now. I've got money, and we trust money. If you think that money's the most most feeble thing anybody can put their trust in, but it empowers people to think that they're stronger, they're they're better. I'm going to tell you something. Cancer don't care if you got money or not. It'll take you out. Are you listening? Heart attack could take you out Well, you're cancer. well you got money or not, you don't care. I've shared this many times. This truth got really real to me. I went to the hospital one day, and I had two, two men to visit. One of them Was as broke as a convict. That's a poor man. He's as broke as a convict. And the man, the other man I was going to visit, one of the wealthiest men in Hildebrand. And if I named his name, and uh, uh, many of you would know him. And very well to do man, lived in a very nice home. And it was so happened, the rooms were side by side. I walked in the door to the first room, because it's the first room I come to. I walked in. There's the poor man. He's got the nice gown, you know. That You know, they ought to put a back in them things. They ought to put a back in them things. Don't you think so? I want to file a complaint. Go to put a, at the hospital, tell the preacher God to complain. Put a back in them things. Because you don't need to be showing people, you know, those body parts. And uh, they had on the little gown and they had the same bed and had everything, and the man is broke is just one of the poorest men I ever met. really was a very poor man. I walked up, prayed with him. We talked a little bit, prayed with him, walked in just the very next room, and guess what? He had on the same gown, same bed, same stuff, and I, and you know what? God just dawned on me. God said, you know, I, that, that, that don't mean a thing to me. I'm looking right here. But you need to understand the extremes in life are going to come. We know some things. Praise God we do. We know all things. Praise God we do. But in the middle of that some things we know not. And you live long enough, there's going to be some extremes that comes, and you just, you just don't have the answer. I'm, I'm always reluctant to share this, but I am. Um, And I I say this, and oh, please. I'm not being critical. I don't know if I wouldn't have felt the same way. My dear lady in this church, better son, better husband, better grandmother first, better son, no, better mama, and a grandmother. Grandmother or mama, better son, better husband and she looked at me, and she said, "I mean, screamed just as loud as she could. God has taken everything away from me. Why should I believe in Him?" Well, they said some things. I don't have the answer to that. Can I help some of you super duper, uh, super duper Christians that think you know it all? Shut up. There's some things you just don't have an answer for. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why God chooses to do that. I don't know why God is choosing to take some of the most special men in my life out of this. I don't understand that. I wish I understood that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, I don't understand all of that. I don't know that I will ever understand all of that. There's going to be some things you're going to know I know that all things work together, but then there's going to be some things that I you know not. In those extreme times of life, it may be that God is wanting to break that pride. That there's no other way to break it. May I? Don't, I don't know. I, I don't, only God. But I will tell you this much: He does all things well. So number one, He is my He is my provider. Number two. God is my protector. But number three, God is my preserver. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Here's what he's saying. God says in the humdrum every day of life, if, you, if you're not a Christian atheist, I, I'm going to take care of you. I'll provide for you. Okay, God? God says, when the extremes of life come, I'll be your protection. When the extremes of life. But then he said, if you can believe that, if you can believe me, to be your provider and your protection. He said, I will preserve that which I provide for and that which I protect. He said, I'll preserve it. I walked out of my and I saw Rock Baptist Church. I believe God has preserved our church so many times. You would never believe if I told you. Um, I believe there's been things that someone wanted want to do to hurt us and God has just stepped in and said, I'm not going to let you do that. I believe God has protected some of us and some of you. He's a preserver. I love this. I love this. When we look at men like Joseph and Daniel... We see God's protection in their lives and His guidance in their steps. And if you want to do right, then you can't do what is right. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delight in His ways. The Lord is a portion of mine inheritance in my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. I love this story. The story is told of a national magazine he assigned the photographer to take pictures of forest fire. They told him a small plane would be waiting at the airport to fly you over the fire. The photographer arrived. Sure enough, there was the uh, airstrip and a small pl- airplane, and he jumped in and his equipment shot. Let's go! The pilot took turned the plane into the wind, and soon they was in the air. He looked over and he said, I want you to fly over the north side of the fire and make several low-level passes so I can get some good photographs. Why? said the pilot. He said, because I'm a photographer and photographers take pictures. And the pilot replied, you mean you're not the flight instructor? Sometimes we're just like the pilot. And we put our confidence in a lot of wrong things and wrong, wrong people even at times. The Bible says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. I believe that there should be a confidence that we have as born-again believers, but I'm going to tell you something at the end of the day. You ought to put your confidence in the Lord. So I ask you a question again. Are you a Christian atheist? Some are you someone that says, "Well, I believe God. I believe God." But when the circumstance comes, you fall all to pieces, and someone says, "What happened to that God you believed in? What happened to him?" Oh, that ain't important. You don't understand. That ain't important right now. I'm having a breakdown. Leave me alone. Truth of the matter is, we all are Christian atheists at times. He said, Lift up your eyes. Help's on the way. Because God is our provider, He's our protector, He's our Preserver. If you could get a hold of this tonight, you could sleep better. You wouldn't worry near so much. And trust me, I'm a warrior by nature, but he would do much to help you and me both. Lift your up. Don't, don't look at the circumstances. Hills can't help you. It's what's above the hills. The Lord is my help. That's all stand to our feet.